Hey, Vanessa, guess who we're talking to today? I don't know who. We're talking to Brett Iowan, the voice of Mickey Mouse. Hot dog. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Well, hello over out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host, Craig, joined today by my two trusty co-hosts, Miss Vanessa Ferguson. Hello. And Mr. Brett Rutherford. Hello there. I am so excited about today because, of course, it is November and we are celebrating Mickey's birthday. So we had a really special opportunity to be able to talk to Brett Iwin, who is the voice of Mickey Mouse and has been since 2009. I will note that this was a recording that we did shortly after the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary. In fact, it was the weekend after that celebration. So we were able to get some reactions to that as well from Brett. But I'm just so excited to talk to him all about his design and so many other projects that he works on in addition to his voice work with Mickey Mouse. Brett, our Brett, what are your thoughts about talking to Brett Iwan? Well, he, I mean, I am in awe of his creativity on so many levels. I mean, he, I want to switch places with him. I want to be a voice artist and a, a wonderful digital artist or, you know, fine artist. I want to be him. I, well, I'll tell you a- what, I, I always listen to your dulcet tones on these shows when I'm trying to fall asleep or anything like that. So maybe you can be a voiceover artist. Hey, well, maybe there's always hope. Huh. There's always hope. Vanessa, your thoughts on the interview we were able to have with Brett. I mean, I'm just so excited. We've talked to Goofy before. We've talked to Max and now we're getting to talk to the mouse himself. What is happening? This is so exciting. Absolutely. And it's a wonderful interview. We get to go into a lot of different facets of his creative career. So I'm going to get out of the way of this interview so you can listen to it. Here it is, our interview with Brett Iwan. We are so honored to welcome to our show, Brett Iwan. Brett, it's just great to have you on here. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So there's so much to talk about. You have so many different projects and things that you've done in your career and continue to do. But I want to start with the most recent experience that you had. I know you were at Walt Disney World for the 50th anniversary. Can you talk about some memorable experiences that you had and celebrating the 50th? Oh my gosh. You know, it was about three days of nonstop events and, and interviews and, and just running around. And I remember in the moment I said, I'm really not going to appreciate the gravity of this experience until I get home and I take a break. And ironically, just last night, I clicked on YouTube just to watch the Enchanted Fireworks show. Just I was like, you know what? I was there, but let's watch it again. And I finally had that moment where I was like, oh, yeah, that was cool. That was cool to be a part of it. Yeah, memorable moments. I mean, I got to experience Ratatouille. Uh, I'm blanking on the official name of it, but you know what I'm talking about, the new uh-huh. Remy ride, to watch Harmonious and Enchanted. And then it was just so cool to be a representative of cast members, you know, and, and, and explain what it means to celebrate a legacy like 50 years of someplace that's so special and memorable to so many people. So yeah, it was it was just a real cool experience. But like anything I encounter in this job, I always say like, it's just an honor that I get to be included in that. So very appreciative that I had that experience. That's so great. Vanessa, I think you have our next question. Yes. Well, we are from Central Illinois and we know that you went to high school in Central Illinois. So we we wanted to ask what brought your family to our area and any fond memories you have of, of living there? 
Oh, I mean, I will admit that when my my parents told us we were moving to Illinois, I said, Illa what? And my dad said, <laughs> it's the land of Lincoln. You know, I blame California education system because I really was aware of California and the whole West Coast because that's where we vacationed. But I loved my time there. We moved to uh, a town called Leroy, which is between Bloomington Normal and Champaign-Urbana. And that was all because of my dad's job. He used to be the, as they, they called it, the lonely Maytag repairman. He drove all over Southern California Valley, fixing people's washing machines and dishwashers and whatnot. And he got a job promotion to be a sales uh, service manager. So which meant he had the territory of Illinois, Indiana, Iowa. I might be missing some, but we needed to be centrally located in that Midwest territory. And my parents joked that they pulled out a map and they literally went, where's the middle of all that? And they went, bink. And there was a town called Leroy. So they flew themselves to Bloomington Normal, started checking out the place, and they found this town really charming. And, you know, somebody who grew up in Southern California, LA, like it was a big shift. I moved from freeways and mountains and, and Hollywood to cornfields, uh, a high school of 300. You know, I had 50 in my graduating class. It was, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't culture shock, but looking back, it was, it was a good culture shock. I'm so appreciative of that time. It, you know, their main street was straight out of, you know, Disneyland, Disney World, Magic Kingdom's main street. Like I, I, it was a real different way of living that I, came to love and uh, still do. And in fact, like I crave a small town life now. Like I, I love LA. I love um, where I live right now, but uh, it's, I make it very clear that I have plans to move to a more small town uh, eventually and just kind of get back to that, that more simple way of a little less hustle and bustle as it were. So yeah, I loved my time in central Illinois. That's so great to hear. And now uh, our listeners may know that you've been the voice of Mickey Mouse since 2009. I know that you've shared this story a lot, but I was wondering for our listeners, could you share the story of how you landed that role? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my story about getting to voice acting is uh, not a typical story, although I'm not sure there is a typical story for how you become a voice actor. But yeah, I was an artist. I grew up dreaming of being a Disney animator, dreaming of being an artist. And so I made that my mission in life to pursue everything, every step that would get me there, uh, which landed me going to an art school in Florida, Ringling College of Art and Design. And from there, I got a job at Hallmark Greeting Cards in Kansas City, Missouri. So that was my first professional job. I was there for five years, loved it. It was almost like going to graduate school. But as creatives do, I got a little creative itch around the five-year mark. I started to think, what else is out there? What's next? I was toying with the idea of applying, of applying to jobs in California, but I hadn't really pulled the trigger on it. Uh, well, fate kind of stepped in for me, and I checked my email one night, and I had an email from a friend who works at Pixar, and she had forwarded me an internal email that had been circulated. And the subject line of that email was, do you want to be the voice of Mickey Mouse? And I read that subject line and I said, yes. You know, I had never aspired to be a voice actor. I never really thought or entertained the idea of being in entertainment or being an actor, but I loved Mickey. He's, you know, how I learned to draw. He's, you know, Mickey and, and the legacy of Walt and the story of, of Walt and everything he built around the Walt Disney Company was just kind of, it was the thing that motivated me the most. You know, I wanted to achieve my dreams similar to the way Walt did. I wanted to be a part of creating magic for people. So because of that, I had just started doing Mickey's voice as a kid for fun. I was listening to soundtracks like the Fantasmic soundtrack, uh, listening to my old Disney LPs and, and whatnot, and just like talking like Mickey. Oh, 
toy. You know, it was just something I'd say when we walked in the park with friends. A lot of my friends knew this, including this particular friend, Jamie, who works at Pixar. And so she sent it to me. She's like, you got to do this. And I read the description of what they were doing. They were, you know, it was an understudy audition. They were looking for someone to understudy with the current voice at that time, who was Wayne Allwine. I, I practiced for a few days, submitted my audition and the waiting game started. And after not too long, a few weeks, maybe a month or so, I got a call and they said, hey, we're doing callback auditions. You're one of 10. We'd love for you to come into the studio and record. They assumed I lived in California. So I had to kind of, you know, drop the truth nugget there and be like, uh, yeah, actually, I'm in Missouri, um, you know, blocks away from Walt Disney's original studio, but not in California. They still left it open to me. I flew myself out. I auditioned in person. And that was kind of my intro into voice acting. The first time I was in front of a microphone professionally, first time I was in a sound booth, first time I was really saying more than, oh boy, is Mickey. You know, I was having to read words on the page and act. And, and it really, I remember at the time thinking, I hope I can do this. I, I didn't know. Can I, can I talk like Mickey? Can I sustain that? Can I, can I act? And they seemed to say yes to all of the above because I was uh, kept on their list. Unfortunately, Wayne Allwine passed away in the time that this whole casting process was happening. And so it was no longer an understudy position when they finally made the decision. It was, you know, Mickey had to keep working and it was about continuing that legacy. So they asked if I was interested in kind of working on a trial basis, meaning, you know, it was, you could think of it as like a prolonged interview, a prolonged audition. They just wanted to make sure okay beyond that initial audition how would i do on a real project so i started with a, a small little thing for animal kingdom and then uh, disney on ice in the same day same session and then the next day followed up with more disney on ice and at the end of that session they sat me down and they said we're really happy with what you're doing we'd love to offer you this role if you want it of course i said yes and uh the rest is kind of history i had to pack up and and, and similar to walt moved took the journey from Kansas city out to LA. Um, I had more than a suitcase and a dream. I had a suitcase and a dog and a dream, but I moved out and, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've never looked back. It's just been one amazing experience after the other. I'm so grateful. I'm so humbled that I was, you know, chosen. It's still extremely surreal to me to this day, 12 and a half years later to think I, I get to be that guy. So it's, yeah, it's so funny because we start our shows with a famous Walt quote. It all started with a mouse, which is obviously very relevant to you. But I almost think Absolutely. of another Walt quote as well, which is it's kind of fun to do the impossible. It seems like you coming into this role, it's just so serendipitous. And we're, we are all uh, reaping the benefits of, of what happened there. Oh, and uh, it's just you. so great. Since you said your friend Jamie sent you the audition information, when you got the job, what did you buy yeah. her? <laughs> um, I'm still working on that thank you gift, uh, which she reminds me of constantly. Um, <laughs> in jest, of course, in jest. But um, no, I'm I'm extremely grateful to Jamie. We're we're still friends to this day. I I joke that I you know wouldn't be here without her. So uh, and anytime I meet somebody at Pixar, I'm like you know Pixar is really part of my origin story too. So yeah, I I, I still owe her a lot. But you know, she gets as many Mickey messages for her children as she wants from now until forever. <laughs> That's great. That's Brett? great. Well, yes. Well, I mean, Brett, I'm Brett. You're my Brett. I'm two. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. But I'm a digital media artist. So naturally, when I saw that you were a graduate of Ringling College of Art and Design, I was extremely impressed. I mean, what was your experience like there? Were you able to hone your design aesthetic there? Or do they break you down and mold you as if you were clay? Ooh. Um, you know, I've never really thought about it that way. But 
my ringling experience, what, it was interesting for me in my creative journey because I think as a lot of kids coming out of high school, going into school do for whatever it is, but especially with art, you kind of think, especially when you come from a small town where, you know, I was one of a handful of kids who were actually interested in the arts or visual arts even. And so I, you know, was kind of like thought not overly highly of myself, but I was fairly confident going into it. And you get to that environment and you realize you're really just like one of many talented kids. And, and I remember thinking I wasn't worthy of that experience. And it's funny, I look back on my portfolio, what I submitted to get into Ringling versus where I left and it's night and day, um, which I guess just proves that the experience worked. But Ringling was an experience where you came in and you really focused on your foundations, um, your basic skills, drawing, painting, uh, whatnot. And then you moved on to your, your discipline, your major, which for me was illustration. And yeah, I learned a ton. I learned a ton about media. I learned a ton about the, just, I, again, the, the building blocks. I'm not sure I really had a very definite personal artistic identity at that point, I was kind of floating. I, I knew general directions I wanted to go, but I didn't really have a style per se. So that's definitely kind of, I've, I've honed that over the years. I would even say, you know, over the past five to 10 years, really, I've kind of been a little bit more cemented in what I, what represents me as an artist and what I enjoy doing. Uh, and, and I don't regret that. I remember being a little envious of students who had a definite style, like you saw their work and you're like, oh, I know who that is. Because mine was a little bit more universal. I kind of, I was like a chameleon. I could fit whatever the, the design need was. But yeah, I, I, I credit Ringling for really kind of giving me those building blocks. And then, and then really Hallmark, like I mentioned earlier, was like graduate school in a way. Like I really started to develop myself as an artist, kind of gained the confidence. Because, you know, once you land a job out of art school, like that's, you know, that's the golden ticket. And once you get it, then you kind of start giving yourself permission to explore a little bit more. Um, you know, it is less, less pressure, maybe if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And it really does seem like, you know, you mentioned that your coming to voiceover was something that really happened out of circumstances, but art seems to be your passion. And so can you tell us about the process of becoming a Disney fine artist and what that entailed for you? Yeah, so the Disney fine art was, again, a little unexpected, um, but one of my fellow Ringling students, Tim Rogerson, has become a very well-known Disney fine artist. And, you know, Tim and I, we would go, we had annual passes or his, his dad worked in the parks actually. So we would go up to, you know, Magic Kingdom on the weekend and we just hang out in the Disney gallery and both talk about how we dreamed of one day being a Disney artist. So when I saw him achieve that, I was so proud of him and, and still am, he's so crazy talented, but it was, you know, after I had assumed the role of Mickey and it was a decision I made very early on when they offered me that role that I was going to focus on this, you know, I didn't have an agent at the time. I wasn't pursuing other voiceover work. I really, you know, was in the mindset of staying afloat financially. I, I was going to do what I, I needed to. And, and the idea of freelance illustration was something that was happening for me still. But, you know, in terms of like pursuits, uh, like other grand pursuits really kind of kept it low key until Tim was in town one time and I met up with him. And, and then I started thinking, and we had the conversation of like, you should do this too. And I thought, well, I guess that does make sense. So I started having conversations with the, the people who produced the fine art and they were more than excited to have me contribute to some Mickey artwork. And 
again, it was a bit of a slower journey. I started doing some Mickey paintings and kind of seeing what other people were doing, but not really sure of what I was going to bring to it. But then about, I can't even remember now, a few years ago, my aesthetic, my passion is like outdoors, woodworking, rustic national parks. And so my house is littered with old 1940s WPA national park posters. And I, I had this little thought one day, I thought, why don't I mix those two loves? Why aren't I doing artwork that reflects me by you know doing kind of a national park thing with Mickey? And I was like, I'm not sure if that can be done. So I talked to the team and they were like, why not submit some sketches? And so I've been doing a park, a national park poster series uh, with Mickey kind of in the mix. And that's been so fun because I started with places I've been, it's kind of morphed into places I want to go now, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those journeys, which I think a lot of artistic journeys are where they just kind of like, they're constantly evolving, constantly growing. And so, you know, where I am now with that versus where I started totally different place um, where I'm going to be with it. I'm not sure, but I just kind of take each opportunity as it comes. Well, you were talking, you know, um, that Hallmark was kind of like a, a grad school for you, but it's interesting. It's kind of a two-part question. Were there any particular projects that you enjoyed working on at Hallmark? And this might be the main question. Is there, and the Hallmark corporate culture is it is it similar to disney because they both want the best <laughs> oh absolutely my time at hallmark was nothing but fun it almost felt too good to be true honestly you know i was a part of the illustration department which at that point i think we had maybe 80 artists um you know and it was just this place that fostered creativity and collaboration. Um, they constantly had workshops available to you. You know, they had a farm you could go off to uh, for the day and we'd just do, you know, paintings and drawings and, and building things. We built birdhouses one day, you know, like it just, it was a place where it was fun and, and they knew they valued the, the creative process and the benefit of creative renewal for their artists. They knew that if we were just stuck in a, in a, in a cubicle doing art the same way every day, you weren't going to produce new stuff, especially with Hallmark because it's so tied to emotion, right? There's a, there's a level of storytelling and emotion that's tied to their product, which I think is very similar to, to Disney, right? You know, Disney is a storytelling company. It's, it's connected to their consumers in a way that they're creating memories, celebrating memories. So yeah, they're, they're very similar in that sense. For sure, you know, I have my role as the voice of Mickey is, is one where I, I like to say I have this peripheral view, you know, I'm not sitting in one department. I'm, I go in and I work on stuff for consumer products, for Imagineering, for Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, for Cruise Line, for, you know, I, I lose track of all the departments. And so my perspective on the corporate culture, I, I realize is one that's a little bit broader umbrella. But yes, I would definitely say it's very similar and that it's just a company that fosters the creativity and, and celebrates people who are truly passionate about their jobs. I think that's what kind of rises to the top and, and brings brands like these above the rest. And that's why people connect with them so, so deeply. Yeah. And when you worked at Hallmark and you were in Kansas City, you really weren't that far from Marceline, Missouri, which is Disney's boyhood home. So we were wondering, we know you're a fan of nostalgia, if you ever made the trip out there. And if, if you did, how it was for you? I, you know what, I visited Marceline once and it was unintentional. And that's somewhat embarrassing for me to admit, but I was doing a road trip with my brother. We were driving back to Illinois from Kansas City and we're driving you know, on the highway and I see the sign for Marceline and I thought, 
wait, wait a second, Marceline. And so we pulled over. It was the middle of the week. Um, the museum wasn't open. The town was a little sleepy, but I think I almost liked it you know, that mm -hmm. way that it was just so such an impromptu thing. And we took the dog and we just walked down the main street and kind of took it all in. I've been invited back several times. Unfortunately, my calendar just hasn't lined up yet, but I know they do a great little celebration that I'm looking forward to. Eventually, I've made the promise that I will be there. I've met um, so many of the amazing people who maintain that legacy and, hey, and, and they're so delightful. Hey. Yes. I, yes, yes, yes. I love yeah. Kay. Kay. Yeah, Kay is wonderful. She's so sweet. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. That's so great. And, uh, you know, whenever you go there, we will make sure we make the trek over. It's about three hours for us, so not too yeah, bad at okay. all. Um, yeah. But so we've talked about your voiceover work. We've talked about your artistry and you also restore homes. So talk to <laughs> us a little bit about Bungalow Modern Restoration. And then second part of the question, tell us if there's anything on this planet that you don't do. Oh, there's plenty that I don't do. Um, <laughs> or maybe maybe I should say plenty that I shouldn't do. The the bungalow modern and that and the home restoration, and it's it's really kind of transformed now to just restoration in general. I started out with it being home-based because I have a craftsman home that I've lovingly restored over the past decade. And and you know, and talk going back to your questions about creativity and 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 defining your style and your aesthetic, that's been this journey that's happened over time where I realized my true passion, even more so than, you know, doing visual art is creating spaces that tell stories and that are celebrating, you know, and when it comes to restoration, celebrating the past or, you know, the artistry involved in it. Yeah. In doing my own house, people started asking me for help. They're like, would you come design our house? Would you design our room, our backyard or whatever? And I thought, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here to make it a, a business. And yeah, so I guess it's, that was 2015. I started it and it's, you know, been a learning curve and that, you know, starting a business is not an easy thing. Um, learning what services you offer versus what you want to offer. And so it, it's kind of morphed and it, it's interesting. I've, I've started to focus less on home renovation and more just kind of consulting on design that involves storytelling and oftentimes involves some vintage elements. So I've had the pleasure of designing a few restaurants and helping with a, a bank right now that's kind of a 1950s mid-century bank and they're doing a full restoration. I've restored wagons and I'm currently working on the restoration of a steam locomotive uh, that I acquired. So it's, you know, wow. I, I'm, I'm somewhat constantly amazed at where it's going. You know, I thought I'd just be designing kitchens and now I'm like, no, I'm, I'm restoring a steam train. So, and, and, and it's just that I'm somebody who I call it creative ADD, call it passion. I'm not sure what it is, but I just love a challenge. So I can't do one thing for too long. And I'm also not afraid to just learn. I love learning new skills. I love mm -hmm. growing. And so part of the, the beauty of Bungalow Modern is it's not just one thing. It kind of provides this vehicle for me to explore all kinds of different things. You know, sometimes they're for hire. Sometimes they're just passion projects on my own. So I'm still trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to say, you know, after six, seven years, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is Bungalow Modern. But I think at the root of it, it's, it's, it's preserving the past. It's restoration. It's telling those stories through whatever it is. It's a, a restaurant, a home, a train, whatever. It's, it's about telling the stories and celebrating the people who are involved in them. 
it's just so great to see your passions and your creativity be manifested in so many of these different projects and, and doing them so well. So thank you for that. Brett, you had a question about another design path that he's going down. Well, yes, one more design question. As, <laughs> as Craig said, you're creating art for Disney Fine Art, but you're also creating Mickey-inspired designs for Shop Disney and clothing as modeled yeah. by the beautiful Craig McFarland and yourself. And so I felt appropriate to wear it today, yes. Yes. So we're kind of, we're, we're in a color scheme of greens and yellows. So who knew? But, anyway. <laughs> but can you share how that came to be? And is there going to be a future for that too? I mean, how many wonderful designs can we find? Cause they are amazing. I, lo well, I love the hat too. So thank you. Yeah. The, uh, the merchandising opportunities uh, was something I did not expect to ever happen. And I have to thank my friend Ashley Eckstein for a lot of the introductions because she's the merchandise queen. She, you know, for those who don't know, she started her own company called Her Universe, which was this huge thing for female fans and now fans of uh, every type of fan. But she has a great relationship with Disney and she has introduced me to so many amazing partners. But really my merchandising a relationship with Disney started at Destination D, which is D23's Florida uh, celebration. A couple of years ago, they were announcing the start of this designer ears collection. And I met the woman who was kind of heading up that program and she had done her presentation and she came off stage and I said, I love what you're doing. These are so cool. And I said, I don't know if you'd be interested, but I'm the voice of Mickey Mouse. I'm also an artist. I've been a professional artist for years. I would love the opportunity to design a pair of ears. And she just looked at me and was like, of course, we have to get you involved in this. And so that was the intro. I had the chance to design a pair of ears. And then not even too long ago, I mean, it feels like it was maybe at the start of 2020, you know, this Disney artist series popped up for the clothing line for parks merchandise specific. And they were just looking for a couple artists who would kind of give their interpretation of Mickey and, and use that artwork to develop a line of clothing. So I was like, really excited for the opportunity, but totally intimidated because for me, I, I like to think of drawing Mickey for me is very, <laughs> um, I don't know how to describe it. You know, Mickey looks a certain way. I'm very particular about my on model Mickey, my classic Freddie Moore Mickey style. And so an artist interpretation of Mickey just terrifies me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mickey should be drawn a certain way in a certain way only. I don't want to see, you know, stick figure Mickey. But the more I got into the project and, and I was started to celebrate that and, and then it really clicked for me when, you know, I was struggling. I was like, I don't know, what is my style of Mickey? What does he look like? And I was in a recording session one day and I looked down at my script and I saw all the doodles I make when I'm, when I'm recording Mickey. I just inevitably draw his face and they're not on model Mickey because I'm just doing quick little sketches, right? And, and my handwriting's all over it because I totally mark up whether it's a change in the line or just a note about the emotion or the scene. And it kind of clicked for me and I thought, well, that's what my style is. My style is the doodles I do on the script. Um, so we came up with a few different names. Um, I, I kind of consolidated my doodles and cleaned them up. And, and we came up with this collection called MM Script, which is just that. It's, it's a Mickey Mouse script. It's, it's inspired by the doodles I do on my script. And I worked with an amazing team at Disney Merchandise, specifically a designer named Nantra Null. And she helped me take my, my drawings and then put them onto this amazing clothing line, a hat, backpack, hoodie, uh, a couple of tops. And, and we worked together with the, with the color palette, because as I mentioned earlier, national parks, outdoors, woodworking, this aesthetic is really important to me. And I knew that was going to help set 
my lion apart from any other artist. And so she came up with this utilitarian green and orange color palette, which I loved. And I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I don't just wear this for self-promotion because it's very weird to have your name on your clothing it's like your mom's sewing your name on there so you don't lose it but it's so soft um, I, I love it like I, I have to chime in there and say this is the softest hoodie I have ever owned it is so soft and comfortable as well <laughs> for sure it's yeah I, I had to compliment her I'm like I you know when she showed me the where it was ending up before it went into production I was like I love everything about it I had no notes I was like this is it um, and then when I got to put on for the first time I was like oh this is it. I'm going to be wearing this for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And it, it, it's, uh, where I'm going from that. I not sure yet. I, you know, in between the ear hat and, and this, I've had plenty of opportunities to design merchandise for D23. I've done a lot of their enamel pins and member gifts. I did a bandana, a pennant. So doing that kind of stuff is always fun. I know I'll continue doing that. And I don't know, we'll, we'll see. We're, we're waiting to see how successful this line is. And, and I hope that maybe the door has been open to do more because I would love, you know, nothing more than to help create uh, Mickey merchandise. I'm, I'm that guy who's always walking to the park and I'm like, I want to, you know, I have a specific taste. I want to find the stuff that I would actually wear. And, and yes. so, mm -hmm. you know, finally being able to be adorning Mickey in my attire is pretty cool. So the that one weird amazing. thing I will say is when I see other people wearing it, I'm like, wait, why are you dressing like me? Like you, it's almost like it's almost like you raided my closet. And you're like, wait, they're Disney bounding as you, Brett. So. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's hope that never happens. Well, we love that we can see your interpretation of Mickey Mouse on clothing, and we can wear it. But we also love that we can hear your voice in so many places, like you mentioned, TV, parks, video games. Do you have a favorite Mickey project that you lend your voice to, or any favorite Mickey version that you do? I always say I'm the worst at favorites. You know, I'm the guy that was like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite music? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And so it's especially hard when it comes to Mickey stuff. I have worked on so many amazing things and admittedly so many things that I, I tend to forget. It's one of the funniest questions I often get. And, and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little annoying is such a negative word, but you know, it's like, I get this question a lot from people close to me. They'll, they'll text me and be like, I just heard Mickey on dancing with the stars. Was that you? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, who else would it be? Um, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I get to do so many cool things. I love, for me, in my head, I picture animated Mickey. So anytime I get to do something animated, that's a blast. We're working on a new TV show right now called Mickey Mouse Funhouse. Season one's premiered on Disney Channel, Disney Junior. We're working on season two. That's been so much fun. And let's see, like anytime Mickey's traditionally animated with this, it just I think last night, Mickey got to be a part of a special Disney challenge, dance move challenge. So he he presented to the contestants what the dance moves were. And he was a little 2D animated Mickey. And I love that. I geek out over that stuff. The theme parks are really near and dear to my heart just because Disneyland was such a special place for me growing up and still is. And so anytime I get to do something for the theme parks, I, it's just so cool because that is just such a tangible way for guests and, and fans to connect with Mickey. Um, and there's nothing like seeing Mickey in person up on stage. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked about it probably way too many times, but I got to be a part of the redesign and, and refresh of Fantasmic at Disneyland. And that was total full circle moment for me because- wow. 
that's really how I learned to do Mickey's voice was, was talking along to that soundtrack and, and, and playing Fantasmic with my brother out in the yard when we spray hoses around and whatnot. So that was, that to this day remains one of the like most um, emotional memories and experiences for me. But yeah, it's just, there, there's nothing that I don't love getting to be a part of with Mickey. You know, it's just everything from singing on albums to voicing him on new technology. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I'm that geek that wears the Apple watch. And so when I go for my runs, I always tap it to hear Mickey say it's nine 37. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Speaking of our time with you is coming to an end here shortly, but that was a good we, segue. I'm trying for you. Um, but you know, we do have a couple more questions we were hoping to get in and we yeah. did have the chance to speak to some other voiceover artists, including Ashley Eckstein, and then also Bill Farmer, two people that you know so well. Um, but they mentioned some of their favorite moments are meeting fans because of course, as a voice, people don't necessarily immediately see that Brett Iwin, when you talk to you, that you're going to be talking to to Mickey Mouse. And so they, they talk about how when they go into Ahsoka Tana or into Goofy, that children's eyes or even adults' eyes just kind of go, oh my goodness, that's him. And so I didn't know yeah. if you had any of those kind of convention or fan uh, meeting experiences that you'd want to share. Yeah, there are so many great fan interactions. And and you're right, Ashley and, and Bill are two of my best friends. I was just at Bill's house yesterday morning, actually, and just left Ashley this weekend on our little tour. But yeah, those interactions are so special. I, I'm shy and I have a lot of friends who like to argue that point. They're like, you're not shy. Uh, but the truth is I am. And so, you know, sometimes the attention that you gain from a role like this is a little, you know, it just, it, it's, it's a lot, but when you get to have those one-on-one -on -one meetings, when you, when you talk to a kid who just loves Mickey and they to them, Mickey is real. Mickey is their friend. Or you talk to an adult. You know, I, I like to say Mickey is that, that mutual friend that we all have. We're all friends with Mickey. Everyone's got a personal connection with them. So you meet somebody who's a Mickey fan and it's like, it's that instant in, you know, that's, it, it's, it's, it's that, that small world feeling of like, oh yeah. And I have a hard time articulating um, those experiences because there's so many. And, and as you put so well, you know, when you see their eyes light up, there's nothing like that. It's, it's like this, this little magic power you have, a secret identity. And you, with the flip of a switch, all of a sudden people are like transported to this very magical place. But I guess what I take away from those experiences the most is the, not only the power of Mickey, but the responsibility that comes with voicing a character like this. You know, it's not something that you can just be flippant about. It's really not just about making a funny voice. You know, Bill Farmer is notorious for saying it's not voice acting, it's voice acting. It's acting. And, and with that comes an understanding of the character. You know, we have to, and, and thankfully, being such the fan that I was, I came into this role already kind of preloaded with a lot of knowledge about Mickey. But over the past 12 years, I've, I've just continued to, to gain more knowledge of who he is and what he does and what he's about. And, you know, I just try to maintain that core Mickey, and those attributes that kind of just make him who he is whenever you branch off from that to do different projects. But yeah, the, the responsibility of maintaining a character that is not just a funny little guy to watch on screen or see in the parks. It like it, he really connects with people at their core in their heart. And um, that's not something I take lightly. You know, I think you just have to continue 
thinking of those fan interactions as kind of like the 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 fuel behind keeping the momentum going of of keeping the character consistency there. So mm-hmm. absolutely, Brett. Uh, did you have a question? How would you describe Disney magic? And are there any mm-hmm. magic moments that you'd like to share? Disney magic. What is it to you? Disney magic to me is the power of dreaming, the power of imagination. I grew up completely immersed in Disney. And I remember some people thinking that was maybe a negative, that I was a little bit aloof or, you know, that that having that wild imagination and those dreams wasn't going to serve me well. But I'm here to argue that, in fact, it served me very well. I think the power to believe in our dreams and, you know, as Walt said, all your dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. I'm a big believer in that. I think we can get distracted by the what ifs or the the shoulds, but I've tended to operate on the maybes of mm. on in, in the, the space of what if, and that's, that's Disney magic to me. You know, that's, I, I, I took that away from Disney at a very early age and I continue to, you know, it's like that, the power of imagination, the power of that magic lives in everyone lives in all of us. It's just, you really just have to almost find the permission to tap into it. And once you do, I think the sky's the limit. And that doesn't mean it has to be some creative pursuit. It could just be a simple thing, you know, day-to-day basis. But yeah, I think I think dreaming is a very, very powerful uh, tool to have through life. And, and that's, I think that's what Disney magic is at its core. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Brett, we have so enjoyed learning more about you and asking you questions. But before we let you go, we have a few fun rapid fire questions. And I know you said you don't like favorite questions, but we could say your, <laughs> your favorites. You don't have to pick just sure. one. Okay. So that here we good. go. What is your favorite Disney parks attraction or favorites? It's a tie between Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean. Quintessential Disney storytelling. Solid choices. Do you have any favorite restaurants in the parks? Oh my gosh. Um, Let's see. Well, if we're talking Disneyland, then uh, probably like Blue Bayou. I love Blue Bayou. Mm -hmm. Um, Disney World. You know, and I've only been there a couple times to this restaurant, but the Brown Derby in Hollywood Studios, uh, like, I mean, we were talking about vintage things and how that's my thing, right? So Brown Derby, vintage Hollywood, come on. Yeah, definitely. And do you have any favorite park snacks? A churro is always going to be, you know, number one, uh, although there is a discrepancy between coasts. People will say oh. that California oh, yes. churros. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Totally. It's just California, you know. Yeah, Northern. I won't so. even touch Oops, the ones sorry. in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Florida, but uh, yeah, the churro. And then, so let's see if I'm in Florida. I, I'm like, I am a sucker for the classics. So popcorn or ice cream are always going to be solid go-tos. Oh, but I will I have to go back to Disneyland for a minute. Occasionally sure. they'll have these peppermint patties that are to die for. You get a peppermint Ooh. patty and, and a coffee around holiday time. Nothing oh, like wow. it. Wow. That- Okay, yeah. go going to Disneyland at holiday <laughs> at, 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 at yeah Christmas time holiday yeah. holiday times absolutely make your reservations and one final quick rapid fire question since you've been to the fiftieth is there anything that we must do that you would tell our audiences we have to do when we go oh my gosh oh that's such a, it's a tough question to answer I mean it, 
take it do in it all. But when, <laughs> do, do it all but you know what i found was a really cool thing to do is part of the 50th they unveiled the disney fab 50 character collection which are 50 statues installed all around the resort finding those statues is um, a scavenger hunt and, and enjoy it. That, that whole thing could be a day, right? You just like go and find all those things because they're not all placed in the most obvious positions. So definitely do that. But of course, take in the new entertainment. Don't miss Mickey when you're there. Oh, Come on. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Brett, it has been uh, such a pleasure getting to talk to you and in your wildly uh, creative mind. Uh, I will tell you, you've scored me so many points for my five-year-old. He loves Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. He is the one that is always touching my watch because he wants to know what time it is based on what Mickey tells him. So uh, this is just going to be so cool when I get to tell him that I, I spoke with Mickey Mouse. But uh, awesome. I just want, we like to finish with uh, one last question. And that is, is there something that you're not normally asked about that you would like to uh, mention or a project that you have or something else that you just don't normally get asked about that you wanted to mention? Oh, man. Oh, you guys are too good with these questions. I should have, I should have prepared myself. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. Thank you. Uh, I, you know what? I mean, we hit on so many of the things it's, it's, you know, I love, I love Mickey and you guys did such a good job of tapping into my design side. I love talking about design and vintage restoration. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've just found myself lately being so passionate about kind of just telling other people's stories. And I don't really have a specific thing to share on that per se. But, you know, I think I'm just, I'm always looking for the stories that haven't been told yet. You know, those, those kind of maybe the underdog stories or the less appreciated stories. So I would just say, I guess, maybe keep your eye open for those people that, you know, are, have an interesting story that's looking to be told and, and, and celebrate that, you know, just, and I don't mean that in terms of uh, putting it on a podcast or a YouTube or, or doing some you know, TV network about it, but just like in your day-to-day -day life, celebrate those stories, you know, especially if it's a shared passion. I just had this amazing experience lately, or I guess over the past two years where, you know, I, I grew up, I was talking about this train that I'm restoring now. I grew up, riding this train in this town that we vacationed at. And it was built by this guy who was just extremely passionate, very similar story to Walt Disney. He had this dream of putting a train through his town and he worked tirelessly for 40 plus years to get it done. He passed away and his family kind of struggled for a few years on knowing what to do with it. And, and so it was one of those things that was always in the back of my head, but I just took a chance and I reached out to the community and, and, and in turn was introduced to this family. And I've developed an amazing relationship with this family now. And, you know, to them, they're like, this is just our dad. He was just this guy who did this stuff. And to me, I'm sitting there pouring through his drawings and everything. And I'm like, no, this wasn't just your dad. This is a, you know, a creative genius, a man whose legacy is worth sharing. And I I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one who's going to find that interesting, but I think I've really appreciated the experience of sharing with this family what their dad did for me. And I think, you know, we all have those people in our lives that maybe don't hear enough what what kind of impact they've had on those around them. And so I, I guess I don't know what that translates to when you asked about That's what okay, it, but, it uh, translates to a beautiful story and a, a beautiful message and a beautiful way to end this interview. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you for putting all of your creative energy into the world. We are all better for it. So thank you. Well, it's truly my pleasure. So thank you for allowing me the chance to talk about it. Well, that was phenomenal. It was just so oh amazing to get to talk to him. He is mm -hmm. such, uh, I, we, we talked to so many creative people. So I'm not, I, I'm like Brett. I do not want to come up with a list of favorites, but I will tell you that 
he is so creative in so many different adventures and different ways. He called it maybe creative ADD. I would say that he is just someone that has this creative mind that is really thirsty for new projects and new adventures. It was so cool to get to talk to him. Vanessa, your thoughts? I would like to get some points here for not a fangirling too much. And, and you when did a every great time, job with that. every time he did the Mickey Mouse voice, my heart fluttered, but I didn't, I didn't say anything. My face, I kept it cool. So you're welcome, you guys. But I, you know, he's just so delightful. It's like you said, he's so creative. It's so fun to kind of verbally hear how his mind is working. So I just really look forward to all the other things he's going to do because he's already done so much and it's just fascinating and awesome. And I, I love him. How many people can you say that you can go and buy a piece of clothing, which by the way, they are on Shop Disney, at least at the time of this recording. And I will say that it is wonderful. It is very soft. The designs are very cool. I would encourage people to go out and shop on Shop Disney. You can also find his Disney fine art. So you can you could be wearing Brett Iwan while uh, looking at a Brett Iwan painting or design piece. You could then also see Brett Iwan designed restaurant somewhere in your town. And uh, you can hear him as Mickey. I mean, how, like so many different things that he does. And we always talk about it, it's so cool to put art and creativity out in the world because we need more of that. And that he's doing that in spades. Brett, your thoughts on the interview? Well, you know, I think he, he looks at his varied interests. If he says sort of an ADD thing, that's it, it's he's a renaissance man. He's a Disney renaissance man who can do so much. And he, and he does it all so well. So congratulations. And that is just awesome. Oh and I my can't gosh. Wait to and, see... and so nice. And so nice. You know. So nice. So nice. And I can't wait to see where his career goes from here because it's just uh, ever evolving. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that he gets to play Mickey for many, many years to come. I hope that he gets to go in and, and design these buildings or design the, the, the homes and restore them that he would like to. I hope that he continues this clothing line. And it's really cool to hear that he really got an in with Ashley Eckstein because her, her universe line is just so phenomenal in so many different ways. So it'd be kind of cool if this was the creation of something like that, where we could have a, a line all designed by Brett uh, all the time. That would be really neat to see in the future. And what a way to celebrate Mickey's birthday. So do you have a happy birthday message for this month for Mickey? I'll go to Brett first. Any happy birthday messages you want to give to the mouse? Oh, well, Mickey's birthday and my grandma's birthday were on the same day, you know, so it was November 18th and it is November 18th. And so I celebrate both of them every year and I couldn't be happier with that. So happy birthday, Mickey. Yes. Happy birthday, Mickey. And Vanessa, any birthday message you want to give to Mickey? Oh, happy birthday, Mickey Mouse. Brett and I had such a great time when we went to your 90th celebration and it was just so much fun. Craig couldn't be there, but you know, it, that was, that was fine. It had uh, been a couple of episodes since you had rubbed that in my face. So I appreciate that. I don't that. think she's rubbing at all. No, I think I just, you're just, I, it's factual. 
that we went there. You're right. And there You're was right. a 90th celebration for Mickey Mouse. It's so about you just him. Marinate. Now, you Craig, marinate in the... it's about You're Mickey. So right. It's not about you, Craig. Yes, You're right. It's about You're Mickey. You're absolutely right. It is about <laughs> Mickey. And uh, thank you again to Brett for uh, everything you're putting out into the world and for sitting down with us and giving us some time today. Uh, it was just a joy. If this is the first time you're listening to Beyond the Mouse because you love Brett Iwin uh, and wanted to hear this interview, please go back and listen to some of our old interviews that we have with Disney Imagineers and Disney legends and actors and directors and animators and everyone else. Also, you can listen to a lot of the conversations that we just have about Disney. We just we came out that. of mm-hmm. a couple of fun conversations in the month of October, uh, some spooky conversations in the month of October for sure. So you can find us and subscribe to us wherever you find podcasts on Beyond the Mouse. And then also we are on social media. You can find us on Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram, also Beyond Mouse on Twitter. And then on Facebook, you have two options. You can follow our page at Beyond the Mouse Podcast, and you can also join our Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals Facebook group, which I'd encourage you to do. We absolutely love talking to our listeners and we love it when that group gets more members. So come on over and join the fun and celebrate along with us for Mickey's birthday month of November. So for Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Brett. And we will see you real soon in the front row. Partying with Mickey. Partying with Mickey. I didn't oh, know that's, how yep. to, that's, I didn't know what to do. Let's get some Mickey ice cream bars to celebrate, oh. I think. Oh, so story, oh, story time. Nice? Uh, yes. Bad dad, bad dad time. I uh, The last time we were in the Magic Kingdom, we were trying to walk out of the Magic Kingdom and my son had a Mickey bar and I ate one of the ears. And oh my goodness, you would have thought, and it's still to this day, whenever we talk about Disney World, my son goes, hey, do you remember when we, when you ate my Mickey bar? Hi, it's me, Mickey Mouse. It's great to talk to you, pal. So long.